Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. This episode of Systematic is brought to you by Smile and PDF Pen 7. Everything you need to annotate, edit, OCR, and more. Check it out at smilesoftware.com systematic. My guest this week is Glenn Chipman. He's an art director and a designer and a dad and all, all kinds of things. How's it going, Glenn? Great. How are you? I am. I'm swell. You're, you're, you're a Minnesota guy, right? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I, I moved here my freshman year of high school. That makes you a Minnesota guy now. Uh, you're currently in Minnesota. I, I can't stand the cold. If I didn't have roots here, uh, I would live elsewhere, coast-wise. <laughs> what was that? You're in St. Paul, is that right? Yeah. What was the temperature last week? Uh, Stupid. The temperature was stupid. I think we hit... 28 is a high at one point this last week. Yeah, yesterday was a a beautiful day in Minnesota (laughs) terms. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But uh, But prior to that, did you guys get down below zero and have horrible? Okay. Heck yeah. Right. You know, I I don't know if you care about football at all, but the Vikings played in that sub zero weather. And then I'm I'm only a few miles from that. Yeah, that would suck. My, my, My dogs are dying and. I can't stand this weather. My pit bull can't stand this weather. Do you put the boots on? Yes. Oh, man. She has to. Otherwise, she gets stuck. After two minutes, her paws don't work anymore. Oh. So, yeah. So, w- w- my dogs don't love this weather. I don't mind it. I have two fireplaces and lots of hot cocoa, so I'm good. But, <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, no, that I, doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> I think I should just like have a weather segment of the show because that seems to be how I always start the show. Well, it's his Minnesotan thing to do. Exactly. It's how we start conversations. How about this weather? So you kind of, uh, you would describe yourself, I think, as a, an idea guy, like a, a visionary of sorts. Well, visionary it, is a big word. It is. As I said that, I realized that's the kind of thing that you attribute to like like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. and. Yeah, I'll take it. Um no, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I, I like to think big, but uh, but yeah. I mean, aside from like the mm. the legendary status associated with the word, I I think it also implies someone who maybe is really constantly thinking of things, but not necessarily an action person. Where would you fall on that? That's exactly right. I was about to say, uh, I come up with ideas all the time. I just honestly don't know how to go about making them happen. Like I don't have a Steve Wozniak. I think, <laughs> I, think I need to get a Woz. Well, and I think that's in my own life. I would say that I spent a long time very frustrated because I had all these ideas and I felt like my inability to bring them to fruition made my life a waste. Yeah. And finding like out that there are actually jobs in the world where you can come up with ideas and other people can execute them and you get paid well for being <laughs> the person with all the ideas. Yeah. That was kind of mind boggling. I have yet to actually have that job. Well, uh, that's what attracted me to advertising in the first place, you know, 10 years, nine years ago, whatever. When I started going back to school at the age of 29, 30, whatever I was, man, I forgot. I forgot how old I, I that's how old I am now. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> It's terrible. Uh, yeah, like ideas are are everything to me. Like uh, um, one of my jobs, I worked for a company that worked for Red Bull, and, and we put on uh, Red Bull Crash Dice up here, which is a downhill ice skating thing. Yeah, I saw that. 
it's ridiculous. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And we had a bunch of people come up uh, from Red Bull and say, we need more sports that are breaking the barrier like this. We had a little powwow at my job with my boss and our other employees, and we had a couple of Red Bull people there. And I'm sitting there listening to all these people talk about, you know, some okay ideas. They're, they're good ideas. But I was nothing that was exciting like skating downhill. And I was trying to figure out how do we take something that exists, shift its paradigm a little bit to make it a little more exciting. And one of the ideas I came up with was like, have you ever been on a wave pool and like boogie boarded or surfed? You know what I'm talking about? I have seen pictures. Well, it's sort of like a water quarter pipe. Yeah. If you're, you know, speaking in skateboarding you know, terms. It'd be amazing to take another quarter pipe and put it on the other end so that it's basically a water half pipe <laughs> and just have surfers compete in a half pipe, you know? And I, and I spit that out and my boss is like, that's going to be too expensive. But the Red Bull guys were like, oh my God, this is great. I don't R think ever. Red Bull's not short on cash these days. So No, they're brilliant. Um, <laughs> but like the ideas, I love the ideas, man. Let's talk about that. What, what, uh, what motivates your ideas? time um whatever whatever like i i don't have like a um oh brett how do i put this in words do you work well <laughs> under pressure uh, i work great under pressure uh advertising has has ground me into a little diamond out of a rough piece of coal for that um, so so when when someone says okay here's your topic give me ideas stat i freeze like i can't think my ideas come to me when I'm not thinking about them. Sure. What do you do? Do you have like a formula for getting yourself into a groove or do you just naturally come up with brilliant ideas? Oh, it's all natural. That's a lie. Um, I th honestly, my best ideas, I feel come like yours come to you where you're just, you know, you know, eating and all of a sudden, Oh, I just had this brilliant idea. But if I'm in a work situation and I don't have that kind of time to wait for inspiration to hit, uh, what I do is I is I write down single words and and I'll you know give me a topic real quick, would you like ice cream? You know we'll talk about ice cream. Then you start writing down words like cold, vanilla, chocolate, and you just make a huge list. Did you Isn't see that, that right there where you asked me for a topic and I just froze? See, that's why I, I picked up the pace. <laughs> Good under pressure. There you go. Um, that's not that's not true. The uh, the thing that happens though is like when you get all these words out, you, you start associating things with the topic that you're trying to build for, and and when you do that, you're allowing your brain to make connections. And so besides that, I take all of my history of you know watching television, reading comic books, reading books, you know painting, drawing, music, everything all kind of pop culture, regular culture, subculture, uh, you know, Petri dish culture. And, and it, you know, you just put it all into this big pot and then you see if things will relate to each other. And when they do relate and it's interesting, that's when you have a good idea. See, I think, like I've considered this long and hard standing in the shower, a, an empty page, like if you have no input, there are no ideas. It, people talk about, you know, great artists steal or whatever that quote was. Yeah, totally. Good yeah. artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah. Yeah. Who was that? Uh, the pop art guy, wasn't it? Uh, Warhol? Yeah. I don't wasn't know it if Warhol? it was him, but it anyway. makes sense. It makes anyway. Sense. 
Um, it's see, I can't even. I took art history for two years, and I don't remember the name of Andy Warhol. Um, yeah, that's I'm, how I'm my brain works. But right. um, but I I feel like if you've never heard a song, you're not going to write a good song, and you don't have to steal, but you have to have that input of you know fascinating ideas from other people, and it's the synergy. Not to use a, a business buzzword, but it's the business. The clash of those multiple inputs that creates new ideas. And I would have to say that's probably true in any field. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, so just uh, consuming as much as possible from around you, probably. And people say, like, when I was working in advertising, the best way, if you're stuck on an idea, if you're brainstorming a campaign or something, best thing to do is just go to a movie and take your brain off it. And when you come back, you'll have the idea. And that almost always works, even just a walk, you know, just leave it. Yeah, totally. Try to to forget it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like to make that list first, though, so that all of those words are in there. Have you ever read, uh, like, Tony Buzan's, like, mind mapping stuff? No. I talk about mind mapping too much on this show, but um, I I think you you should look into, like, mind mapping these days has become more of a, a concept mapping is more common than mind mapping but Buzan's basically his ideas were you think you you make a map that branches out from a central node and they are single words or images and you just start letting them do exactly what you're talking about you start seeing the relationships between them and just let them expand yeah and I've done it and come out with a hundred plus nodes on my mind map and right ultimately on. come down to, you know, a list of five really good ideas out of those hundred. Well, that's how it works. So, yeah, I would recommend even on with just pencil and paper. It's a really the the act of thinking non-linearly and uh, Buzan calls it radiant thinking. But basically you're thinking from a central point, but then letting things expand organically. I feel like you're talking about a book I wrote now. <laughs> it kind of explains exactly what I do, just without the like the bubble flow chart. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think in grade school they called it cloud mapping or something. Cloud thinking. Oh really? Or I guess that was middle school, but I don't know what kind of middle school you went to, man. I went to a public high school <laughs> and public middle school. I did go to a private grade school because i got beat up too much and they said i was too smart to be in i think that was an excuse they're like this is a special school for smart kids because you get beat up too much Uh, (laughs) ah man so yeah um what are there uh other than say pop culture and and petri dishes what kind of uh major influence are is there on your your work day to day Oh man! Or, what areas of pop culture influence you most? That's an excellent question. Uh, right now, sadly, I uh, everything Star Wars, everything Marvel. Uh, that's because I grew up reading comic books, and you know, most of the '90s, I was practicing to be a comic book artist. Which, uh, when I found out it didn't make any money, I quickly abandoned. But uh, that, yeah, like I, I want to make ideas that make people happy and people excited. Like, uh, you know, everybody has to come up with a a solution for something. And more often than not, those solutions are boring. Uh, But Rube Goldberg, you know, the guy that (laughs) creates those giant things, 
Yes. It'll take a simple problem. It'll make the most complex solution that is incredibly interesting. Entertaining even. Yeah. And and that's kind of what advertising is all about in, 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 the, in its most purest form. It's taking a problem like, hey, I need to get, you know, this can of whatever into your hands. I need to make it as interesting as possible. I like the word delight. Ooh. I think everything that someone does should delight in some way. Even if you are, as my friend Eddie Smith is, an actuary, your solution, your solution should be able to delight other people, at least in your field. Even if to the general public, it's the exact same boring stuff that they think every, that you do all day. Like everything you do, like why stop at the obvious solution? Why not go for elegance and something that makes people go, whoa. Yeah. I like that. Yes. That's, I mean, you got to push yourself. If you, if you come up with the same stuff, it's, it's no longer interesting. It's just part of the noise. So I have this theory that everybody is creative and a lot of people just don't realize it because they can't say draw. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that the, like for a person to actually call themselves creative or, you know, work in a creative field that the trick is to push like to not accept your first creative idea, but to refine it and to keep pushing and use the tools that you've acquired doing that over the years. Excellent question again. Um, <laughs> I would say that uh, if, if you want to push yourself and, and come up with a really good idea, uh, you can't have just one seed. You know, when you're farming, you, you plant thousands of seeds and you pick what's the best, you know, like go for an apple tree. You're not going to pick the apples that are half eaten or rotten or have worms in them or anything. You want to pick the absolute best apple you have. So you have to plant seed after seed after seed. So if you're going to write out a list of ideas, you know, you aim for 50, not one. And then once you hit 50, then you start, you know, cult, you know, cultivating them a little bit, picking and choosing which ones you want to push forward a little bit farther, see which ones are already great on their own. Yeah. You never stop, man. You, you just got to keep moving. What about teamwork? Do you, do, in, in your day job, do you have a team? My current one, not so much. Uh, I am part of a team, but it's, it's oftentimes like, uh, here's your assignment go do it. Uh, yeah. teamwork and I are, uh, we're, we're not, we're not the best of friends all the time. Uh, I, I tend to think fast and differently than most people, which puts people off sometimes. And I totally understand that now. I didn't always <laughs> understand that, which was frustrating for everybody. So uh, when I didn't understand it, uh, I, I, I didn't listen. And now that I've figured that out and have matured, uh, I've also learned to listen. And listening is probably the greatest thing you can do as a creative uh, without listening, without taking in that conversation from someone you're not going to figure out why your idea works or if it will work at all even because you can come up with the craziest coolest idea but if you're not listening you might miss the target so it could be you just invented you know the computer but you, you're trying to solve a problem for farming and if it doesn't relate <laughs> you know there, there's there's no reason to keep pushing that idea you have to listen too See, for me, the benefit of having a team has always been 
that there's someone there to immediately say, what are you going to do with a computer on that tractor for this particular problem? Right. And I, on my own, which I do a lot these days, I pretty much work in isolation and I don't get those immediate critiques and peer reviews that would save me so much pain. And I'm not good at accepting them. Totally. Never have been. I have always despised, not despised, feared, I guess, feared critique. Like I didn't want to hear that my great idea was just trash, but I needed someone to tell me that. I still do. I still need people to yell at me about how bad an idea is. Um, and then I go and sulk for a little bit and then come back and do something better. Oh, totally. Same here, man. Uh, and it, the, the best part about that last sentence you just said is that, you know, you got up and, and kept going. That's that's the most important part. When I was in uh, art school, did you go to art school? Uh, briefly. I went to Winona State for a year and a half and was basically paying to fail. Yeah. And then I moved out to Savannah years later to go to SCAD, but they uh, they said that uh, it would cost X amount. And when I arrived, they said, oh, that's for state people. <laughs> and so it cost four times as much to go. Wow. And I was like, oh, I can't go. My brother graduated from SCAD. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is he successful? He He's teaching at Georgia State now. And really? Yes, his, he, he is successful. He is amazingly talented. He's a painter. Uh, yeah, he, he impresses me daily, but, uh, he has an episode. There's an episode of systematic with Wesley Terpstra. You could go back in here. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the critiques in, especially like figure drawing class at, uh, at when I went to art school, Mm -hmm. they could be up to five hours long. And that's five hours of feeling like you're about to cry because everything you just worked on for, you know, 40 hours is being torn apart one by one by everybody in your class. You did this wrong and you did this wrong. And I felt like that was torture, but I realized later that I always, because I had to, I had to go back and I had to redo it. It was class assignment. Right. And I would always, it would always improve. Well, right on, man. Even if those people were dicks, you know, it's, <laughs> even if they were wrong, it would make me reconsider certain choices. Totally. Or, uh, or reconsider why I would stand behind certain choices, like reinforce my own analysis of the situation. Oh, exactly that. On the flip side of that, when I was, you know, again, much older, I went back to school uh, at, a brain, at a school called BrainCo, which is, uh, specializes in art direction and copywriting, and I think they've added web since then. And their critique panels are, are much like what you said, uh, but because of my advanced age, I was as old, if not older than some of the panelists <laughs> because of the life experience I had and the level of detail that I could carry into my concepts. Uh, it, it oftentimes did, I did, I didn't get like the harsh critique. Was that crippling though? Did you feel like they gave you a pass because of, you know, you, you put a good polish on it so they didn't dig into it? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Cause I learned to do that, but I always felt like I cheated when I did that. <laughs> I, I also figured like, you know, there's a part of you that yeah, we're, we're, we're dichotic beings, you know, is that the right word? Dichotic? I don't know that that dichotomy. is a word, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So. There's an internal dichotomy to myself where, uh, half of me is all ego. I'm the best thing in the world. And I know that's not true on the, on the surface. 
On the other half is the one that's like in a corner crying and isn't good enough to do anything. And it's the struggle between those two. So whenever somebody says, oh, good job, and pats me on the head, more often than not, I'm like, woohoo, I'm amazing. So when you put go through the critique and they don't critique you in a way, you're like, I can do no wrong. And then you go out into the real world, like post-graduation. <laughs> Man, uh, they always tell you in art school that uh, – not art school, I'm sorry, uh, advertising school – that working as an art director and a copywriter is one of the hardest emotional jobs in the world. I would say, yes, that's very true. <laughs> and uh, I thought I was going to get a pass because everything I was doing was accepted in school. And then you get out there, man, and they just smack you down. Yeah. And then you get back up and realize that was the way it should have been. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Interesting. Uh, I think half of it. Did you ever meet somebody in those careers where, uh, you know, they, they smack you down and it's not because your idea is bad. It's because they really like smacking people down. Because it makes theirs look better. Yeah. yeah. Or they feel more I, I have. And when I, when I ran a, a, a little ad firm for a while and, uh, and I would run into those people and clients were especially annoying uh, because they would critique and hate an idea but not know why. <laughs> which is why having peers who understand what you're doing is like extremely important rather than someone saying that's the wrong blue start over. Yeah. Um, to actually be able to explain their, their, their problems. But, uh, but some of them, yeah, there was just, uh, especially if I was like you said, you were working for a company working for Red Bull and I've been in that situation, not with Red Bull, but the kind of third contract down mm -hmm. and, it, it can be very frustrating because sometimes you deal with people who do have a huge ego and they get jollies, I guess, off of just smashing everything you do. <laughs> uh, some of the things I've learned since ad school, uh, listening is, is the biggest one. Uh, communication. I've always been okay at communicating, but now that I know how to listen, I can communicate even better because when you're dealing with people that – love chewing things up mm -hmm. <laughs> if they love that and you know what you're talking about and they don't it's so easy to talk around them and then you can get them to come back to your viewpoint and sometimes they think it's their idea at that point but i don't care you know it's it's as long as the work gets done and it's done well i don't care who thinks they thought of it you know it, it has to be I like it. The product, the final product needs to be excellent. And that's, that's what I, that's what I've always been striving for. Yeah. So now we know a little bit about how you think. Um, let's talk about your, your last few years, I guess, have not been easy. You've, you've dealt with, <laughs> um, some major challenges and I'll let you, uh, summarize just to give people a scope <laughs> The breadth of your uh, your adversities, uh, kind of give us a rundown there. Yeah, right on, man. Um, for for about two and a half years now, uh, it seems like everything that can go wrong has, in a lot of ways. The bullet point list is uh, uh, for years. Me and my wife had been trying to get pregnant, and we couldn't. And as soon as I was laid off from my job, we got pregnant. And uh, right around that time, my mother-in-law went to the hospital for a bad reaction to painkillers. And then a few months later, 
We found out at our first ultrasound that uh, the baby had a congenital heart defect, and the doctors were not positive or confident that the baby would make it, which if, uh, if anybody out there is having kids, that is the last thing you want. I would never wish that on anybody, ever, ever. <clears throat> and then on top of that, you know, having the baby issues monthly, you know, you go in, get the scans, they test how everything's going, and then the closer you get to the delivery, the more scans you do. So it's really nerve-wracking. And uh, if you're a worrier like my wife is, that, that can be kind of soul-crushing. And then once the baby was born, uh, she was huge. She was like 9 pounds, 10 ounces, I believe, 21 inches long. She was like the biggest baby in the NICU by far. All the other babies were super tiny and adorable. Sad, sad place. Wonderful, beautiful <laughs> people. Uh but then the baby had to have heart surgery, which is, again, another soul-crushing thing that you never want anybody to go through. Uh, long story short, baby's fantastic now. She's just like a normal kid. You wouldn't know if I didn't tell you or you didn't see her scars. Uh, she's beautiful. But on top of that, we also had a father-in-law that had uh, one leg amputated, another foot amputated. The mother-in-law that I was just talking about had a stroke. Uh our house was broken into, my basement has flooded, my bathroom fell apart and I had to remodel it. My kids' school is on the verge of shutting down. So every time every time it looked like something was going right, literally for five minutes, we'd get a phone call or something would happen and you know it was just a complete storm. Every time we turned around, something was kicking us in the nuts. Honestly, that is so much. I <laughs> I I can't fathom that many things. Uh doing nut kicks that is that's a lot um and you asked me to bullet point it so i'm leaving out that was probably half the actual list i i believe it i believe it it seems kind of like a snowball effect once that much has gone wrong i just want to know who i pissed off up there you know (laughs) that's it um so are you back to work now i am uh i was actually laid off twice in that two and a half year wow um (laughs) the second job was crazy like uh it was after my daughter's birth uh my wife you know, being a basket case, uh, you know, completely understandably so. She's like, I want to stay home, take care of the baby. So I was freelancing at the time. I was making okay money. You know, she was making good money. So we were we were doing great. And so I started interviewing. I get, I get this job at Lifetime Fitness. I'm going to call them out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get this job at Lifetime Fitness. They offer me the job. I'm like, I really am so excited about this. It's perfect. It's exactly what I like to do. Uh, I need two weeks so my wife can put in her two-week notice so we don't burn that bridge. They're like, great. And a week and a half pass, and they call me on the Thursday before the Monday that I start, and they go, hey, uh, we're moving your entire department to Colorado in June. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And so I had to call my wife, and she had to try to get her job back, which is humiliating, and they wouldn't give it to her because they had already hired somebody else. And so I had to work at this job knowing that I'm not going to be there very long because I can't leave. My daughter's here. My in-laws are here. And it yeah. was like, yeah. So that was like the most uncomfortable eight-month job I've ever had. <laughs> the best part was, though, anytime I did something that somebody didn't agree with, like if I made a choice on a, on a design specifically, I would stand up and yell, what are you going to do, fire me? <laughs> God, that's freeing. <laughs> that is so freeing. It's kind of like having tenure, but the opposite. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. It was. Yeah. The, the, Oh my God. That's the perfect analogy. 
I've never thought of it in that way. It is the exact opposite of tenure. It's just that nothing left to lose kind of <laughs> approach. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, but I got a job, you know, uh, afterwards. I was doing the freelance thing for a little bit and got a job a few months later. Uh, this job is awesome. The people there are great. Uh, I don't actually have to work super hard like I did at all my other jobs in advertising. I don't know if you know this, Brett, but uh, if you get out of advertising for a lot of people and you work in-house, uh, there are blue skies outside. Uh, you're not going in at dark and coming out at dark. You you get to enjoy your day and see people and stuff. I don't know if I agree with that in my experience. Oh, really? I, I've, I was happier working for multiple clients. Even Yeah, I suppose it was longer hours, but... If you, I guess it depends on how much, how well you work with your in-house team. Sure. Because you do have to work on the same things every day, campaigns for the same products and the same services. And it gets, uh, it, it can be soul crushing if it's not fun. Well, I'm still new at this job, so let's, let's not dwell on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I get it. I get that. Uh, the, the variety of working in a, uh, an agency rather than in-house is, is awesome. So, uh, so you're, you're, you're kind of on the upswing now. Is that safe? Let's, let's say that. Uh, let's not jinx it, but, but things are looking better. Yeah. You know, uh, employed, I've got, uh, ideas are starting to work again. You know, your brain gets scrambled from uh, all that BS that happens to somebody. Like if you have one bad thing happen to you, it's hard to think, you know, you, you just dwell on that. I'm just going to keep saying, you know, which is awesome for everybody. See, you, you get, um, <laughs> you, you notice it, but honestly, I didn't even realize you were doing it. <laughs> People are always like, I say, um, too much, but yeah, it's, it's natural speech. Anyway, um, you had a high school band, didn't you? Yes. Well, it wasn't mine. I was actually invited. Uh, and I kind of weaseled my way in the, uh, the best part about that is I had a really good friend named Brett who uh, was like, hey, I'm, I'm working in this punk band. We got a great guitar player. We got this good bass player. And, and we don't have a drummer yet. And I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know how to play the drums at all. I just borrowed a drum set and I screwed around with it until I had something that sounded like a drum beat. Also um, how I learned bass in my band after that. But um. But yeah, so so that was our band, and this is kind of the the uh, the back reveal, as back we've actually reveal. known each other for what's it been like twenty years now? Ninety two, ninety one. Yeah. When did you start high school? It went on a senior. Ninety two. So ninety two. Yeah. Yeah. Third twenty three years. Wow. Four. Wow. So yeah, we so we had this this band, and we named it. We couldn't come up with a name. They were all horrible, so we named it uh, after the three authors of a chem book uh, <laughs> moon man and auto so it was moon man auto um, that's a great name i don't i don't have any recordings left from that i know we did i uh, have all of them do you i do <laughs> you should do you have them as mp3s um they're terrible they're terrible i do have them i'll send them to you yeah i'd like uh, that <laughs> obviously i don't have the masters or anything but, but uh, man it, we, it's it's fun to listen to until you realize that because i didn't know how to play the drums especially the bass pedal uh, <laughs> None of us really knew what we were doing. Oh, but it was so much fun. It was fun. Um, so we kind of lost touch after that. We did. Uh, I, I tried to start my own band thing, and then shortly after that, I moved to Savannah. Yeah. And that's where uh, the big divide happened, and I kind of lost touch with everybody because I'm a, I'm a jerk. 
Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, my favorite friends are friends that I can talk to 10 years later and we're already still friends. See? Like no bridges to mend or anything. That's the way it should be. Yeah. I would say this... one of the people I would consider my best friend, I actually haven't talked to you for like five years right now and right before on. that probably six years and he was the best man at my wedding and he's still my best friend. Oh, thanks, buddy. Not you. <laughs> We're still friends, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> same same thing happened to here. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember Lucas, but Lucas was is, is like I do. He had one. a ponytail. Did he? Didn't he? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Lucas was a big dude. He used to. Come yeah, to I remember him, but I think I'm associating someone else's ponytail with him. I think you might be thinking of Luke's ponytail. I'm ah, yes. He he's the guy I was about to bring up. I I completely lost touch with him. And then at my wedding, I invited him to be a groomsman, just like you did with yours. And I hadn't seen him in forever. <laughs> and ever since then, we've been like every year going camping as a family. And it's it's a blast. Nice. It's nice to reconnect, you know? Yeah. I, I have very few friends left that I went to high school. Did you know that my wife and I went to high school together, but we didn't ever know each other? I did not know that. I did not. When I met her at a coffee house years after high school... I it it was a it was a revelation to find out we actually were in high school at the same time in the same town. Where where was that? Is that Winona? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. So huh. that works for me. I, I there there are no people I knew that I would marry. Um, although I, you probably remember Janelle, she was awesome, but I was a dick about that. Anyway, um, you're a kid, you're a kid, you know. <laughs> You were a very headstrong kid. I'd like to say that out loud. I was. It was interesting. Oh, you were you were you were very interesting. <laughs> I was diagnosed oh, with many disorders later on that made a lot of sense. Yeah, in retrospect. It was a blast. <laughs> you were you were never boring, and I loved that about you. Got in a lot of trouble. That's fine too. Yeah, yeah. Because well, then I went on to a couple different attempts at college and ended up at MCAD. And uh, while I was there, I was invited much the way you were to play in a band on an instrument that I didn't know, but I really wanted to be in the band. So I kind of learned it bass pretty well, sure, um, but not good enough. After a few years that and a heroin habit got me kicked out of the band. That'll and, do uh, it. Yeah. So I can still kind of play bass, but, it was fun. Like that band toured and, and we went cross country and stolen U-Hauls and it was, it was a blast. <laughs> I played one of the last shows at the Mockingbird bar in New York. We played CBGBs. It was a what? shitty night to play CBGBs, but we did. And it was fun. used to me. I didn't know this stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So, so anything interesting immediately after high school what where did moon man auto land you <laughs> <laughs> well right after i was kicked out and replaced by a drummer that uh was amazing leon yeah holy crap leon the rastafarian energizer bunny seriously i don't understand <laughs> like to this day i'm good at drums now right i can play them with a bass pedal i cannot even think how you, he does what he did did you know we tried out a guy uh, before we found leon we tried out a guy who uh, played part-time in a Fish cover band and the other part-time in a Pantera cover band. And this guy could work a double bass pedal. Is that Aaron Lonick? I don't remember his name. All I know is he was too much for us. 
Like oh, his, it, we, we couldn't keep up and he overpowered the entire band in the rehearsal space. <laughs> so we just said no. That, that That's like Les Claypool with Metallica, right? <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. Although oh, Metallica's new bassist is pretty good. You like him? I, I do. I don't know if I like anything they've done since the Black Album. I like their live shows. I don't necessarily like their new records. Sure. But I like seeing the new bass player play old songs. Can Him doing something? battery Go was really good. What? Uh, I, I was going to say that uh, there, there's this other side of me that's such a perfectionist that I, I don't generally, rarely do I actually enjoy a live show. I don't like people, so I don't generally enjoy a live show. Same. Uh, that's part of it. But I sure. am... I don't know. I there are things that I overanalyze and things that I am completely willing to just lose myself in. Sure. And a live shows often have this turning point for me where from the beginning I'll I'll be especially with opening bands, you know, like <laughs> overanalyzing, well that's the third song you've done in a pentatonic G. And um <laughs> like I get annoying to people around me, but then this point often happens especially with bands that I already have good feelings towards where in the show, they'll hit a like a. It always happens with the blinders, the lights, the yellow lights over the stage, mm-hmm. and and they flood your senses, and uh, often then fade to blue and then blind back again for a chorus. And those, there's something about this combination of energy and sound and light that I just go somewhere else. My brain is just all of a sudden happy and just i forget about all the people around me and i i enjoy those moments and they happen even at very small shows as long as there's a good a good light rig um that's kind of hilarious yeah it's happened to me with bluegrass bands and rock bands and i've seen it with even with like choirs leonard cohen that happened multiple times for me yeah, but, but that couldn't be a bad show that's oh, one that of the was, shows i would love yeah there was no bad part of that show four hours of Oh. A seventy-plus-year-old man, just being amazing. Oh man! Did you know I met him? I saw the picture because <laughs> I was stalking you when uh, when we reconnected. Yeah. On Facebook, uh, man, I, I I was so pissed off. That was a, it. Was a dream for me, and I like to rub it in people's faces as soon <laughs> yeah, as I do. find out they like Leonard Cohen. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Anyway, <laughs> I wrote on the gravitron with Millie Vanilli. Are you sure it was really them though? It, it was the, the guys that were on stage, yeah. <laughs> it was Rob and Fab. Oh, my. Oh, my. Man, that's that's almost as cool as Leonard Cohen. Uh, <laughs> no picture, though. No, uh, that, that's way before I owned a camera. Yeah, before cameras were in everyone's pocket. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that brings us around to, uh, unless you had other questions about the uh, the post-MMO days, but... Otherwise, Man, we'll start, you, yeah. I could literally talk forever about that. Um, and I know you have a podcast that needs to be listenable. So we should probably stick to your script here because <laughs> we could I just talk all script. day. Um, yeah, well, we'll have to, since this is the first time we've really talked in 23 years, uh, yeah, awesome. we should probably we should probably talk again off air. Yeah, man. Anyway, so the top three picks. That's what time it is now. And the way this works, as you may know is it goes round robin and mm-hmm. one pick at a time back and forth and uh you get to start so what's your first pick i'm trying to look at the list that i sent you was it the ipad pro is that the first one that i sent 
is this really my responsibility? It's it's not loading on my super I, old I, computer. I don't. It can be in any order, and you can swap them, and okay. no what rules. The iPad Pro. I don't actually own one yet, but uh, I've played with one, and, and uh, my boss at work has one, and it is kind of a game changer for me. Like, I, I had an iPad mini. I loved it, uh, but I didn't do anything but play games with it. And then uh, once I got the 6S Plus, I sold it off because I didn't need it because yeah. it's the same size practically. <laughs> so getting your hands on an iPad Pro for a visual creative, and I know it's a little different for you know a programmer. That would be a, it, it's a useless tool almost in that way. It is, but for writers, it, uh, well, I, I'll let you finish, and then sure. I'll, I'll offer my well, we can discuss uh, thoughts. My points, that's fine. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that at all. The uh, the iPad Pro, the size of the screen is mind blowing. It's it what you can do with it. Like I have a uh, uh, an Adonit Jot Pro. Is that correct? One of the styluses, and the okay. the it's it's just a little stylus. It doesn't give you palm rejection like a Bluetooth one would, but uh, you get the the control of a pencil. And I love drawing. Like I said earlier. I wanted to be a comic book artist, so I have that skill. Drawing an iPad Pro is is fluid and amazing. And um, because of I'm an art director designer, I always, always have a Wacom tablet. Yeah. I hope that's how you pronounce that. I I've always said Wacom, but up. it's one of those words that you read. But Sure. Wacom. <laughs> we'll call it a Wacom tablet. And I'm very, very proficient. I, uh, I, there's no emotion in that phrase. I'm very proficient with a Wacom tablet, <laughs> Wacom tablet. Uh, the iPad Pro, you actually can put emotion into what you do, which is like the ideal, right? And this is in combination with the pencil, so you have... But that's my second. Oh, so okay, I'll, I'll stop. I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> I'm going to stop here. Um, see, I, I feel like I'm not sure I could make enough use of the iPad Pro's screen real estate and and artistic it seems heavily geared toward visual arts to me and I know you can do a lot of cool music production and stuff with it but I can do most of that with my 6s plus and my iPad Air and I actually over the last probably probably a year now I've been working a lot on iOS only which I never thought would be possible but newer hardware has actually made for everything but programming pretty much it's actually a great machine and ios 9 with split screen and multitasking has made it a feasible on the go or even on the couch work machine for me and uh i i'm actually so satisfied with the current setup that i'm not currently planning an ipad pro purchase sure i'm still um i'm still recovering from the uh budget loss to my apple watch Ugh. which I hope to see improvements on, but we won't well, go into that. See, I used to work at the Apple store and I'm a fanboy. I can say that, but I'm also, I come from a place where I was on PC forever. And I, and I, I started on PC, you know, mostly you because I both. wanted to be a recording artist. And at that time, Pro Tools was like the thing. Yeah. And then they came out with Sony's uh, Fruity Loops studio deal. Those two programs I loved and I played with all the time. And then I was introduced to the Mac and it was like eye-opening. Like once you figure that out, <laughs> yeah. like, why is this so easy? What am I doing wrong? You know, and it's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. 
it's very fascinating to me. I will say though, since I left Apple, you know, six, seven years ago when I switched to advertising, uh, I don't think I've waned as a fanboy, but I don't think they are as important. Like I have a laptop that has been going since 2009 that can do everything I need it to do. More often than not, I feel like I don't even need an iPad at all. The iPad Pro is the first time I can say, I need that. <laughs> and it's because of the drawing interface. Like I can't draw on my, my MacBook. Even with a Wacom tablet, it's not as it's not as nice, you know? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, and I recall from our, uh, our high school days that y- your cartooning was excellent. You were probably the best uh, comic artist <laughs> I knew. I probably probably still haven't met anyone quite as good at <laughs> muscular characters as you. Um, oh, you know, homoerotic images are my specialty. <laughs> so so I would say, yeah, I could see the iPad Pro and the uh, even going to the Wacom tablet mm-hmm. um, that those would be game changing tools for you. So yes, and I, you know I I've played with the Cintiq their uh, their display version. Yeah, the Cintiq. Uh, is that how you pronounce that? That's how I pronounce it. We're we'll call go with it my that. rules. And that's fine by me. <laughs> Just like the band. Um, no, Zig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, I didn't I didn't like it as much as I like the iPad Pro. I mean, it was nice. It was cool. Yeah. You know, and it, when you play on the big twenty-seven inch one or whatever size that is at the at the high end, which no one can afford. Right. It's 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 amazing. Well, and that was kind of, uh, that was my first thought was this is, it's a big display, a big enough display for large scale graphics work that you can touch and draw on and, and now pressure sensitivity and anyway. Oh no, you were right. The pencil was part of my first point. I got to play with the pencil a few times. I feel like, I feel like the pencil and the keyboard, while the keyboard has gotten poor reviews, I feel like that's kind of, it's not really just a tablet. If you're going to invest in an iPad Pro, mm-hmm. you kind of want the pencil. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly, I wouldn't have it without. On like, I've played it with the the Adonit, and it works great. But the uh, the pencil is uh, significantly better. It's it's like the lag time on that is almost almost not there. It's I I equate it to when I was trying to be a recording guy, and and like the 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 delay built in is so low like with a microphone input into a computer you want to hit three milliseconds or less and this is that kind of thing it's it's so natural and automatic that it's like you're just actually drawing and it feels like you're drawing too the tip on the glass it feels like you're sketching on paper it's crazy you get enough resistance to actually feel like you're dragging lead or charcoal yeah it's great nice i'm geeking out i'm sorry i would like to try it like i was i got pretty good at figure drawing sure but have lost all of my abilities i'm out of practice yeah right so i know i've discovered them before i could discover them again and i had a lot of fun playing with uh 53's paper yeah and i I have their pencil as well and uh i i found that you know i can get back into it but i would have to retrain myself and i figure given that i use paper so little if I'm going to retrain myself, mm-hmm. it should probably be on a, a screen. So, I I gotta say I I like I don't love 
their pencil. What is it called? The pencil. Is it just the pencil? I'm pretty sure. All um, right. They had it. It was called the pencil before it was an Apple thing. Well, now Apple owns it, so that was their idea. Yeah. Totally kidding. Uh, I liked it, but the form factor was uh, impossible for me to love. I could see that. The flat. Yeah, it's like you're working with a construction pencil. Yeah, it was called the pencil stylist. Still is, apparently. Which is fine. More power to them. It was a good product. I I really liked the... I think that one had built-in palm rejection, which worked out great. With yeah, with compatible apps. Yeah, right. So, going from you know the Adonit to that was a really nice step up. The pencil is four times better, easily, easily better. Nice. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna shut up now. All right. What's, what's your idea? What's your number one pick? My first pick is uh, Skinny Legs and All by Tom Robbins. It is a book I've been reading a lot lately, which is first time in a decade I finished a book was last year and then suddenly I was just I read every day now and uh, (laughs) I'm currently uh, the first time I suppose technically the last time uh, number three uh, last time I went through a rehab program I had uh, still life with woodpecker a kind of ragged copy of that Tom Robbins book and it was kind of my solace and I've always I have very uh sentimental feelings towards that book and uh I actually just today it's been hard to find that book especially through my local bookstore uh it's not available for order anywhere anymore uh but he got a used copy in and he he grabbed me and he's like you 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 want this still and I said yes so now I have a new copy of it but anyway yeah skinny legs and all I had been flying through books and really enjoying uh things like um uh dirty job and secondhand souls i don't know if you've ever read those i am not hip enough um i i want to make sure i get the author of those names right uh books correct because he's actually my favorite author right now and uh christopher moore he has a bunch of books and he writes like an add um Game master? No, like uh, <laughs> it's it's very his his way of phrasing things is very like Hitchhiker's Guide, kind of like just say the opposite, like you know, hung in the air the way a brick doesn't. Sure. And uh, that Douglas Adams, but super like cracked up, and uh, so that's why <laughs> I loved Christopher Moore. And you can fly through his stuff; it's it feels like. It makes you jittery because you're reading so fast. But then I jumped back to Tom Robbins and he, like all of a sudden it was taking me literally five times as long to get through a chapter because he writes sentences that are so beautiful that I go back and I read them. I'll finish the paragraph and be like, okay, now I get where he was going. I want to go back and I'll reread things. And uh, I, I love his prose and then skinny legs and all I hadn't heard of found it used and uh it kind of it it would be impossible for me to offer a synopsis of it but it follows a uh, a spoon a can of beans a sock a conch shell a stick I think that's it I'm in inanimate objects in parallel with a human story all the while diving back in history to pre 
Yahweh and Judaism, like back into ancient gods and then how they led into uh, the religions that developed in the Middle East. And all of that combined, like there's this ridiculousness, ridiculousness to it, plus this rich history and it's fascinating. Plus Tom Robbins writing style is unbearably fun for me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, um, that would be my first pick. I love that. You're going to have to uh, send me that book when you're done with it. I can do that. No, I'm just kidding. I'll go buy my own. I've loaned out all I'm my copies boy. of Christopher Moore books right now, too, because I talk about them and people are like, oh, I should probably just read that. You can stop talking now. Um, so <laughs> what's your number two then? Uh, number two actually bleeds back into the iPad pencil uh, combination. Okay. There is an app. Um, it's called AstroPad. Yeah, I have that. You do have that. I do not know how to use it. I don't have enough use for it to have really figured out if it's great. So tell me if it's great. It's uh, it's phenomenal. It turns your iPad Pro into a Cintiq for your computer. Or Cintiq? Sure. Um, how's the latency on that? Almost not noticeable. Almost uh, not noticeable. Yeah. it's it's uh, With the pencil, it's fantastic. Nice. It's it's so good. And the, the best part about that is you don't have to rely on paper or any of the other iPad-based drawing apps, which honestly are, for me, handicapping because I'm so used to Photoshop and Illustrator sure. on my computer that I, that's how I think. So being able to take uh, your iPad and create it as a touch interface for your computer, that's what AstroPad does, uh, it's amazing. You can set the size of uh, your desktop so you can zoom in or zoom out on your desktop. You can... Uh, Which, and, and thereby change the detail of possible with uh, like a certain travel distance. Is that if you zoom in... And then drag your pencil across the screen. It it goes. Yeah, it would less, be the, fewer pixels be, on the screen, right? On yeah. your Mac. Exactly that. Okay. Uh, it, that is so much fun to play with. I have a photographer buddy who does uh, all of his retouching now through his iPad into uh, Photoshop with AstroPad, and uh, he's the one that turned me onto it. It's brilliant. And my boss, who has the iPad Pro with the pencil. I told him about AstroPad. He downloaded it, and uh, it's amazing. It's so cool. So now you can get a, you know, basically a 12-inch Cintiq display for just about a thousand dollars, and then it works arguably better, significantly more portable. It's such a good investment. I, I suggest if you want to practice drawing, you don't need the iPad Pro and the pencil right now, because that's just a big investment to find out if you still like it. <laughs> Since you already have AstroPad and your iPad Air, just figure that out and yeah. use your uh, pencil with that. Well, retouching is that's the one thing that I always loved the tablets for, uh, like input devices, Wacom sure. and others, uh, because all the retouching stuff I ever learned was in a dark room and using actual like burn tools. And, and uh, I forgot all the words that you have a shadow and a burn. Um, dodge is the dodge. Thank you. Yeah. A dodge tool. And then like color tint inks and brushes and Photoshop mimicked all of those, but it wasn't the same for me to drag a mouse around the screen Yeah, with light retouching. Um, 
but with a, a tablet, it, it felt right. So that would be of interest to me more so than learning to draw, which is kind of an aspiration, but not something I would invest a lot of money in. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, like getting into photo retouching with that would be kind of fun. Yeah, it's it. I, I can't stop talking about it because it's that cool. All right. Astropad is on the list. So my number two is a new, newish app uh, that you can get for iOS, and there's also some companion apps. But it's uh, it's called Link Pack, and it lets you save web links to Dropbox as physical files, and you can do it from iOS or from within Safari with a share sheet or from Chrome with an extension, and uh, you can read your links in readability view. And uh, best part for me is that I can create subfolders of links and then share the whole folder with somebody, which is something I've always, there have been a bunch of services. I even tried to build my own uh, and I have a Dropbox service that works for it um, that grabs all your tabs and shares a Dropbox page. But this actually gives you like a full management system for links with the ability to share groups of links with people. Like, this is my entire tab set for this project and and hand them off to everybody. And that's there have not been a lot of great solutions for that. And I'm just now starting to try Link Pack out, but it looks very promising. So that would be number two for me. Crazy. Although somehow I got labeled number three in my list, so I'm going to fix that. But yeah. See, that kind of stuff... I have trouble wrapping my head around sometimes like uh as as the visual creative and not the digital creative the uh the the less I know the more I I can create I think and I'm it sounds like a cop out but it's truly not cuz if I try to put things in my way like I have to make sure I can technical use details this tool. yeah the technical details See that's an interesting point though they because they tend to weigh me down a little bit I I found that like with music theory I was writing a lot of songs before I started taking music theory classes. Right. And music theory ruined me for a while. I was going to say that. Because I started second guessing all of my choices. And it wasn't until I had learned enough and gotten deep enough into it that I understood how to, or understood what I was doing to begin with. Right. And I began to be able to get back to more creative <laughs> music writing instead of, you know, four part harmonies. Um, so, like, I think there's a, a hump if you know just enough to second guess yourself on everything yeah it's problematic but like for me once i got enough coding foundation mm -hmm. that there weren't really any limitations to the problems i wanted to solve i'm like yeah okay i know how to start that i know what i could change that became actually beneficial sure so yeah i would say i would say being on the periphery of technical knowledge can probably be very limiting. Yeah. It's, it's a little intimidating. Uh, I do know some HTML, some CSS, like I, in, in advertising, if you don't know that you're not going to get hired anywhere. Not these days. Nope. And, uh, there used to be such a hard line between visual and code, but you kind of have to do both now, even if not, even if you're not putting out the final code, if you can't communicate directly with, uh, the team that's going to build the markup for your idea, mm -hmm. you're kind of screwed. So. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Yeah, that uh, that's uh, also sad. And I think I, 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 we have a whole other episode there if you want to talk about that. We just do on that for like six hours. Um, the difference between being creative in the digital space and being creative in the uh, traditional space. Yeah, yeah, that's, things that's, have changed. Oh my gosh, it's so, so dramatic. It's so dramatic, and it's it's awesome for a lot of people because anybody with a computer and the ability to learn and the know-how and the drive, they can make a buck and it's going to be fantastic. I, I kind of strongly feel that we're getting away from the uh, basis of advertising, the creative side of it, and it's more technology-driven. And yeah. I don't want to drive – I don't want to dwell on that too much because that will derail everything. <laughs> but, man – I would love to see the swing back. Like it's always a pendulum. It goes from, you know, <laughs> well, same thing happened with music. Yeah. You true. know, like as music creation became so easy and distribution became so digital, the, the, the landscape changed both oh, yeah. from, uh, from the industry perspective and from the artist perspective. Anyway. Yes, that is, that's another episode. So what's your number three? Well, uh, your book inspiration has inspired me to, Talk about the last book I read, which was the biography of Steve Martin called Born Standing Up. Nice. Um, it is unlike anything I've ever read. And Steve Martin wrote it instead of having a ghostwriter. And it is uh, definitely his voice throughout the entire book. And it's conversational the whole time. And that so would rather be pleasing. Than, oh, it's so good. It's like, it's like he's just telling you a story. Yeah. Well, his, it kind of is, right? <laughs> yeah exactly my bad oh shoot um, um, yeah no I've, I've had people recommend biography I've never read a biography I hadn't until then I don't believe I kind of want to read the Ruth Bader Ginsburg bio uh, straight out of Compton <laughs> isn't that the name of it no? it's something it was something funny <laughs> I don't remember but I saw it at the bookstore I'm like that is that is a, an interesting title that makes me wonder what's going on because I think of her as kind of a, I've read her opinions, but I don't know her story. Sure. So anyway, Steve Martin has always been a, um, a fascinating character to me. And I love, I'm almost obsessed with the lifestyle of the stand-up comedian and people who, you know, eventually make it into big acting jobs and, and are doing movies, but going back and hearing about the really rough life I mean, talk about emotional stress, trying to make a small group of half drunk people in a bar laugh is that's to me, a very intimidating prospect. Like you're the only person like in a band, you've got three or four other people with you, but as a stand up, you're by yourself. So does he talk about those days? Oh yeah. He starts as a kid and nice. I, I won't ruin any stories, but like he, he, he worked at Disneyland in that is a fascinating <laughs> facet of his life because this is when Disneyland was brand new. And so like Frontierland and, and all those other places yeah. where they were exciting. Mm -hmm. and, and just to read him talk about it, it's, oh, man, I just get good feelings all over. Nice. All right. Cool. All right. Well, send me a link to that so I make sure I, I get the, uh, the correct. I assume there have been other books written about Steve Martin. Yeah. There have to have been. All right. Well, all right. My number three is a new app that was just released this week, or by the time this podcast goes out, uh, maybe 
a long time ago, but try to move things up because it's called Interact and it's from Agile Tortoise who makes drafts and other excellent applications. Um, Tally is actually one of my favorite apps. Um, but Interact is, it, it's a contacts management application that gets really smart and you can just send text to it like someone's email signature from their uh, you know, email you get and it's got their phone number and their stuff in it. You can just select that text and Interact automatically creates a contact and figures out what's what in that text. And uh, so you can, you can also enter very natural language uh, kind of entries, which makes it similar to what was the one? Uh, I forget the one I was using. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, because they've changed their name a couple of times. So uh, just, it doesn't matter because interact is, Interact fits my needs quite well. This other one that I'm thinking of, uh, it, well, well, sell it to me one more time. Like dumb it down because uh, you're talking to an idiot. Okay. So, like, on its very basis, uh, like what's its one sentence? This is what it does. You get an email from someone else at an agency, and at the bottom, underneath, you know, their sign off, it has their little. Uh, like here's how to find me on LinkedIn and here's my phone number and all of those things. Mm -hmm. You can just select that text on your phone and then share it to interact and interact creates a contact for that person. So they're in your address book and it automatically figures out all the information it needs to huh. fill in that contact, which you can do to some extent with like, I mean, you could, click a recognized like if the data recognition in mail lets you, you can tap a phone number and say add this to context but this puts it all together at once and uh and then it can sync with uh, iCloud Google and other services so you can kind of merge your uh your contact sources and yeah, I mean overall it, it lets you handle groups and uh communications in general you can use it to launch your messaging and your emailing. And it's overall a simple idea, very well executed. See, that's fantastic. Plus spotlight interaction for contact group search. I just read that in the description. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know it could do that. So that's, that's cool. That's a nice thing to get excited about. I and like that. 3D touch support. So you can communicate with a single press on it. Do you, you, you say you had a 6S? I do. I, Success and, plus. Yeah, me too. The 3D Touch blows my mind. I love it. I wish everything worked with 3D Touch. What do you use it for mostly? Uh, like for the camera app, just like jumping to a mode in a camera or clicking on uh, an email message to preview it without opening it. Things like that. That Those are literally the only two things I've used it for. Really? Yeah. You never like click on the Twitter icon and go straight to new tweet? No, see, I'm not, I'm not, or straight into a certain <laughs> account in the buffer app. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a habit thing. Well, and it, it becomes for me, I expect everything to do it. And then I'm always disappointed when things don't react to it. My email client spark does a great job with it, but it trips me up sometimes because I always, I, I'm very, um, anal about using ellipses instead of three periods. And if Ooh. you hold a period down on the iOS keyboard, you get the ellipsis. Yep. And I have in the past 
been I press it pretty hard just you know because there's nothing wrong with that but all of a sudden now if I press too hard it turns into the keyboard nav and my cursor goes flying across the screen but things like that I'm I'm retraining muscle memory on it's it's a nice thing I I need to train myself to use it like a I'm I, I'm so out of sight out of mind that if I don't think about it I'll never ever ever use it again it's the kind of thing I make conscious efforts uh like with when I first started using a Mac, I got obsessed with keyboard shortcuts. Still am, but totally. Like, me too. Anytime I needed to do something, Photoshop, say, I would go up to the menu and figure out what the keyboard shortcut was was not uh, use the menu item, but then go back and use the keyboard shortcut. So I just like forced myself to learn all of them. Same here. And Photoshop did a pretty good job of not changing them. There are a few things that threw me off over the years, but yeah, I can only think of two that have I, I didn't care for. I don't remember what they were. One of them was a Zoom issue. Oh, uh, Zoom still kills me. I, I've never gotten used to the uh, like central point drag to Zoom thing. I got to be honest. I, I use a Wacom tablet all the time with Photoshop. Yeah. And the, and the Zoom, the drag to Zoom is the greatest thing ever. I, I, that can make sense to me. I'm still, I'm a marquee Zoom guy. Totally. I get it. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a, a a fun chat. A good a good chance to catch up. Thanks, Brad. Uh, you are on Twitter as Glenn Chipman with two N's. On Ch on Glenn, not on Chipman. Yes, <laughs> Glenn with two N's and then Chipman, um, and then uh, I assume similar on Facebook. Do you have a website? I do. It's glennchipman.com. That makes life so easy, doesn't it? It does. Um. Anywhere else you would like to uh, point people to? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, those, um, those, are, those are the big three for me. Perfect. And I am Brett Terpstra. You might know that, but... Uh, you better know. Um, I'm TT Scoff everywhere, and you can find me at brettterpstra.com. And uh, ES, uh, Systematic is on Twitter, at uh, Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T. -S we would love if you followed us. And I say that in a plural third person for no reason. It's just me. So uh, if you want notifications on uh, systematic stuff and you want to uh, chat and share ideas, feel free to contact me on Twitter or at TT Scoff. This is, I'm rambling because I need to like nail down my like exit speech here. But anyway... Um, and go leave ratings for Systematic on iTunes. I love the things people have said, even when they get really weird. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, talk to me. I love you guys. Um, yeah, and that was uh, Systematic 156. Thanks for being here, Glenn. Anytime, brother. And thanks again to Smile and PDF Pen 7 for their sponsorship. And we'll see everybody in a couple weeks. Yeah.